Michigan takes care of business against Indiana. We review the new playoff picture and let the rivalry week begin. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, folks. It is the week we have been waiting for since that loss against Notre Dame. It is Ohio State week. The trash talking has began, and we have all of that here on the M Factor. We'll go over the Michigan-Indiana game, which proved to be just that, another typical Michigan-Indiana game. And we'll go over some of the new developments in the playoffs, but nothing really major. But first and foremost, I would like to apologize for last week's episode. There was some major technical difficulties over here at the M Factor. So we could not get that out to the public. Apologize for that, but we're right back here this week rocking and rolling. We're definitely not going to miss this one because it is the game, folks, the game. And of course, if you haven't yet, get on over to iTunes and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe to The M Factor. Also, SoundCloud, you can subscribe on that as well. We really appreciate all of the shares and the likes and the five-star ratings that we have been receiving. Keep it going. It's been a very successful year for The M Factor. And a very, very good year for the Maize and Blue. We'll kind of have the season wrapped up as a whole because we are to the game, folks. And I couldn't be more excited about it, to be honest with you. I can't, I can't wait for Saturday. Happy Thanksgiving week. The, uh, the week is going to go nice and slow, I'm sure. But we'll have plenty of news throughout the week. So I really want to get into the, first and foremost, uh, the... Rutgers game, uh, Michigan just kind of took care of business down there at Rutgers. It was a terrible weather game. There was a lot of wind and stuff like that, and Shea Patterson looked pretty solid. And uh, again, they just kind of took care of business and did what they had to do. Got out of there with a 42-7 victory. The only points from Rutgers on that long touchdown run there, which was actually pretty impressive by Rutgers. It showed some speed there. So Michigan returned home to face the Indiana Hoosiers. It was senior day. A lot of solid seniors that we're going to be losing this year. Chase Winovich comes to mind. Higdon, you know, we got some guys that we're definitely going to miss. And not only on the field, but off the field and their leadership and everything has proved to be just irreplaceable this year. So uh, really going to miss these guys. And they wanted to go out with a bang at the big house. Unfortunately, we will go over some of the, you know, I'd like, you know, besides the stats, I would really like to go over some of the just dirty plays that Indiana committed throughout the game, as well as some of the cheating plays. I'm sure all of you know about the kicked football there at the end of the half. I, I really want to dive into that and give you my thoughts on on everything. So let's get into the overall stats. It was Michigan 31 to 20 over the Hoosiers this past weekend. First downs 25 to 21 total yards. Michigan did hold a decent advantage 507, but gave up three, pardon me 385 yards total. That is uncharacteristic of the defense. I cannot stress this enough, though, that this was a typical Michigan-Indiana game. Indiana always seems to be right there with us and just really surprises us. So a lot of people touted it as being a letdown game, and I'll get into this a little later on how I don't think it really was a letdown game because I think Michigan actually played pretty solid. It was Indiana that was just making so many good plays and just played outside their minds. So total yards, again, 507 to 385 for the Maize and Blue. Passing yards, 250 to 195. Not a huge advantage there. Completions per attempts, it was Indiana 16 of 35, Michigan 16 of 28. Again, not a huge advantage there. Interceptions, it was 1 to 1. Shea did have that bad INT. Didn't care much for that. Not Shea's best game of the season, but again, just got the job done. Did a lot with his feet again. 
He was 16 of 28, not a great, not great in terms of efficiency, but we'll take it. One INT that gives him four on the season, so not terrible at all. Actually, that is a very, very good stat. He did have one touchdown pass as well. So rushing for the Maize and Blue was 257 to 190. Uh, again, not a huge advantage there either. We were just kind of just slightly better than them in every single aspect of the game. Uh, we did have 10 more attempts. We had 50 rushing attempts to their 40. Penalties were 4 of 45 for Michigan, 7 of 62 for Indiana. Very good game for Michigan in terms of penalties. 4 of 45 is not bad at all. Indiana did have two turnovers to Michigan's one turnover, which was that interception thrown by Shea Patterson. Time of possession, we did dominate yet again. 35-54 for Michigan. 2406 for Indiana. And again, the stats that really stick out to me are the penalties, solid by Michigan, way to keep them down. Four penalties is not terrible. That is very, very good. And especially for a team that has been improving literally every week this season, keep that going. They're definitely going to need it against Ohio State. And then for only 45 yards, you know, not terrible right there. But really, the overall stats kind of just stick out at me because they are relatively equal. And we happen to come out on top. Let's let's really dive into the individual stats because this is where we actually won the game. And that was, of course, with Jake Moody. Sets a school record, six field goals on the day, six for six. Great job by Moody. Quinn Nordine apparently came down with some sort of illness before the game. That was the rumor. I do believe Harbaugh did confirm that. But at the end of the game, really wasn't talking about that. It was talking about how Moody goes out there. Cool customer, six for six. He did have a long of 33, so not you know nothing crazy long, but... Six for six, great job. Accounts for 18 of the 31 points for Michigan, so great job. Jake Moody, obviously, will get one of the individual M factors for the game. Sets a school record, as I mentioned. So let's get into some of the other individual stats. It was Shea Patterson, 16 of 28, 250 yards. QBR of 72.5, a little lower than he's normal, but again, got the job done. Michigan rushing, Higdon with another 100-yard game, 21 carries, 101 yards. Shea Patterson had a nice game of nine carries for 68 yards. Evans had another solid game, 10 carries, 44 yards. True Wilson, actually, I thought was very underrated in this game. Not a lot of talk. Uh, we haven't seen him in a couple weeks, actually, but he got in there, nine, or pardon me, six carries for 42 yards. That's seven yards of carry, folks, so excellent job by True Wilson. He did have a nice long one of 15 yards, too. And then big man Ben Mason get in there, two carries, five yards. Knocked out the dreaded four-yard long for Ben Mason. So Michigan rushing right there where it needs to be. Another solid game, 257 yards total. Michigan receiving, again, didn't need to be there so much, but here was the kind of a negative M factor, I thought. A lot of drop passes for the Blue this last weekend. A lot of uncharacteristic drops by these receivers and tight ends. You know, throughout the season, that's been one of our major strong points is our receivers have been coming down with some great catches and making the catches that are right to them. You know what I mean? Right in their hands, right in the breadbasket and making those solid catches, but also making a lot of the more tough catches that sometimes Shea is a little inaccurate or they got a defender right on them and they come down with that catch, but not so much this game. It was not terrible weather. It was a little chilly out there, so I don't know if that was really a factor or not. But like I said, I'm going to keep saying this throughout this opening segment is a typical Indiana game. Zach Gentry led all tight ends and receivers with two receptions, 83 yards. He did have a nice 42-yard reception there. Eubanks with a reception. Nico Collins, another solid game with three receptions. And then pretty much, uh, you know, kind of even throughout the rest of the receiving core, spread the ball around a lot. Uh, DPJ had two receptions for 30 yards. Grant Perry had two receptions for 12 yards. Uh, the rest, Ronnie Bell, Higdon Edwards, Shreek Black finally got his first catch of the season. Good to see that. 
Evans had a catch, and Sean McKeon also had a catch for a total of 16 receptions on the game. Again, I think that's kind of the negative M factor of the Indiana game was the fact that uncharacteristic drops by this receiving core. Haven't seen that a lot this season. Hopefully they got it all out of their system before this Saturday. We'll switch on over to defense. Defense, a great game for Devin Bush. 11 tackles and all. He had a half a sack and 1.5 for loss. Rashawn Gary, solid game as well. Nine tackles. Canell with nine tackles. And then Metellus with six. Pay with five. Watson, Winovich, Hudson with four. Josh Ross with three. And then Gill, Long, and Solomon all had two tackles. And then uh, most of the other guys only had one tackle. We did have uh, Rashawn Gary with 1.5 sacks. So he, he stepped up huge. In the wake of that Winovich injury, again, we'll get into that right after this individual stat segment. So as far as the rest of the defense, we had uh, Dwan Farrell with the INT. The big man gets the INT. I thought that was great. Uh, He comes down with it. Way to show the hands, big man. Kick returns, we had Brad Hawkins. He had one return for 22 yards. And Berkeley Edwards, who, boy, just got laid out in really a, a serious injury there. Had to be hauled off on a stretcher and stuff like that. Really scary moment. He is doing okay, according to Coach Harbaugh, and his brother Braylon tweeted out earlier that uh, he might have a dislocated shoulder, but punt returns, it was DPJ. Decent game. Again, don't lose the ball. He's been doing great this year of not coughing up the football. That's all you can ask for on some of these punt returns, especially nowadays with the punters being as good as they are and the punt coverage on most of these teams being just spectacular. So DPJ, another solid game. with uh, You know, he only had 13 yards, but again, holding on to that ball, don't turn the ball over, don't give him good field position. As I mentioned earlier, Jake Moody, six for six field goals. I know everyone's talking about that. That is a school record, and they looked good. Those those kicks were solid. I remember mentioning in episodes past with Quinn Nordine and just the ball, like kicking knuckleballs up there or something. I don't know if he's off half a step or not. It's definitely in his head. I think they got to go with Jake Moody again against Ohio State, regardless of the health of Quinn Nordine. You know, being a kicker, it's all about the mental game. I'm I'm not a kicker myself, but I know it's probably like golf, right? You start getting the shanks, and guess what? It takes you a little bit to pull out of them. We don't want to have to have Quinn Nordine pull out of this against Ohio State. So I think you got to stick with Jake Moody. He's got the hot foot. And I don't think a lot of people would disagree with me on that. If you do, let me know and tell me your reasons why you stick with Quinn Nordine. I know he's supposed to be great. And he has been good. I'm not going to disagree with that. But at the same time, you got to stick with the hot foot. And Jake Moody going into Ohio State is that guy. And he's got the confidence up. Trust me, we're going to need him, folks. So Jake Moody, hopefully Harbaugh sticks with him. Feel bad for Quinn. But Jake stepped in there and was just calm and collected. And again, we needed him because this game was close pretty much down until the final, you know, the final score for Michigan, which was, you know, two field goals in the fourth quarter there for Moody. So again, I can't say enough about Jake Moody and him stepping up this last weekend. Michigan punting, Will Hart, he only had one punt for 35 yards, so it kind of shanked it. It wasn't the greatest of punts. Will Hart's been solid all year, and Will Hart actually had an amazing game holding the ball. I don't know if many of you get people know this, but he is our holder, and boy, he had to pick up some not so good of snaps from the center there and really you know, set it up nicely for Moody to get those six for six. So nice job on Will Hart's part to get everything you know, ready to rock for Jake Moody before he kicked out those, uh, those six field goals. So overall, nothing really stands out against uh, uh, in terms of offense for the Wolverines. Devin Bush, Rashawn Gary, it's great to see them really rocking and roll. I mean, double-figure tackles for Devin Bush. Boy, we're really going to miss him next year, and I think Gary's obviously gone this year as well. I wish he would stay another year. I think he needs a little bit more work because he hasn't been as dominant as we thought he was going to be, especially coming into Michigan. 
So, you know, I, I still think he's gone though. So, but nine tackles for Rashawn. So the positive M factors go to Devin Bush, of course, and the kicker, Jake Moody. Yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. So let's get into some of the other storylines of the game. Again, another solid Michigan-Indiana close game, nail-biter, Indiana hanging around. The Indiana does this with every big team. And actually, one of my good buddies is a, went to Indiana, graduated from Indiana. He was over here at the watch party. And he was never confident. Uh, he was like, "You guys don't understand what Indiana is. They, this is what they always do." And to he was he was correct. I mean, Indiana scored seven in the first quarter, ten in the second quarter, and only three points in the second half. So just having a tough time closing out these games. And Indiana, you know, five and six, two and six in the conference. You know, I, I kind of felt bad for Indiana going into this game until I actually watched the game and I stuck my foot in my mouth as soon as I saw that absolutely ridiculous play to end the half and the refs totally blown that call and their explanation to Harbaugh was, oh, he he did it out of accident. He didn't know that he did it. That's what he said. Well, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't know that was a judgment call. Either he kicked the ball or he didn't kick the ball. He clearly kicked the ball and that really, and the, what was disgusting to me was, okay, that's that's cheating, right? That is absolute cheating. You are a Big Ten college football team. You do not need a gimmick play to try to stay in the game. And then the coach for Indiana was acting like they won the damn Super Bowl. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was disgusted by it. I remember here I was just shaking my head and pointing it out to everyone. Basically, like, look at this idiot just jumping around and just having a great time. Like, it was an amazing stop. No, you cheated. Michigan probably would have spiked the ball and then punched it in with Mason on the one foot line. Uh, because don't get me wrong, I don't know if I like the play call before that, but still they easily had another play, and Indiana kind of stole that away from us. And then the coach for Indiana just to promote that excitement because he thought that it was a great stop. Well, no, I, I understand trying to get your team up and trying to get them excited going into going into halftime, but at the same time, that's not a good message to send to your kids on. Oh well, it's okay to cheat if it's you know if it's just a little on accident or something like that, which was just ridiculous. You could easily see that he purposely kicked the ball and good heads up play by Indiana. Way to way to cheat on that. So it didn't stop there either. The late hit on Winovich, who which actually sent him to the hospital. No major update on it. Chase tweeted out earlier that he will be back. Uh, I can I can definitely see that. Of course, I want him to get healthy and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know he does not want to miss this Ohio State game. Not a chance. I bet he'd go out there with a broken arm, broken collarbone, broken ribs. I bet you know he's going to be out there and he wants to play this game and he'll probably play well, regardless of the injuries that he sustained from that late hit on Saturday. And what a cheap shot. And it didn't end there. The targeting call, Edwards, that sent him to the hospital. Very scary moment for the the college football world. Uh, You hate to see a guy, you know, laying on the ground like that and bringing out the stretchers. And you just don't really know what's wrong. So as, as a coach, as a player, as a fan, you just don't like to see that. Now, back to the hit. The hit itself was, it was a brutal hit. Don't get me wrong. That was a solid football hit, I must say. I don't really think it was that dirty. I thought, you know, uh, Edwards was the lead blocker for that kickoff, and that Indiana guy just earholed him, and, you know, he didn't, like, leap at his head or anything like that. I really just thought that was a, you know, not so much. Uh, Edwards kind of just kind of missed that guy, and, boy, did he get uprooted, and that was a very solid hit. The refs obviously saw it a different way as they did kick him out for targeting on that play. I don't really know if I 100% agree with the targeting call, but I did feel for Edwards, as did all the fans and all the players and stuff like that. But he was okay. Again, probably a concussion. And his brother Braylon, Big Braylon Edwards, tweeted out that he did have a dislocated shoulder as well. So just what a hit. 
Glad to hear he's okay. Glad to hear he's moving around and stuff like that because that is very, very scary. But that was kind of the M.O. of the second half, basically right after that kickball. And just you knew it was going to be that type of game after the kickball right before halftime. And it just didn't stop there. I don't know what the deal was with Indiana. I don't know what beef they have with some of the Michigan guys. But it looked like they were out for cheap shots. And that is ridiculous. You don't need to do that, especially in the midst of Michigan chasing a national championship as well as a conference championship and Indiana basically playing for bowl eligibility, which they'll probably get next week. And it's just, it was rather disgusting. I'm glad we came away with a hard fought win. I do not like the price we had to pay for it, losing Winovich and Edwards and some of the other guys getting a little knocked up as well. They'll, they'll obviously recover throughout the week, but no real update on Winovich Harbaugh, even as press conference on Monday stated that he, you know, he didn't know yet, oh, but he is progressing. Of course, Harbaugh and his great answers to a lot of the press response. He's, he's not very, doesn't always like to give out the most information, especially when it comes to injuries and stuff like that. Kind of keeps them very disclosed and uh, that's okay. Just, I just wish I knew how Winovich was doing because he's not tweeting anything either. So hopefully he comes running out of that tunnel at Ohio State at the old toilet bowl over there, down there in Columbus and and, you know, that, that'll be awesome. And he's in the starting lineup and comes out that he's just 100% okay. So we're hoping the best for you, Chase, as well as you, Berkeley. Hope you guys are, are doing all right over there in Ann Arbor. Um, but, you know, that's that's my take on the whole game. Like I said, glad they, they escaped it. Uh, another escaping of the Indiana Hoosiers. And that leads us right into the big one, folks. We are here. It is Michigan, number four. Ohio State will probably Ohio State will be ten again, probably in the playoffs. Actually, dropped a little bit in the polls after they narrowly, narrowly, folks, beat Maryland. I'm sure a lot of you guys watched that game. Maryland should have won that game. They went for two at the end there. Love the call, loved it very much. It reminded me back in the day when old Brady Hoke went for two, and I love that play as well. Just you know, just didn't work out for us. You got to go for broke when you're playing these big teams. Maryland went for broke. Had the guy open in the end zone and just missed through it. Oh, it was tough. But, you know, deep down I was rooting for Maryland, of course. But at the same time, eh, you know, if Ohio State escapes it narrowly and we face them at 10-1, and one, and that's only going to help our playoff rankings if we can manage to beat Ohio State. And we come out early on as a four-point favorite at Ohio State. It's been a very, very long time since that has happened. We will see how it turns out. Uh, am I confident in that? Let's we'll dive into this game a little bit. I'd also like to talk about our question of the week, which of course has to do with the Ohio State game. Then we'll get into our rival annoyance. So let's start right off with the storyline of the game, and that is what is at stake for each team here. Now for Ohio State, not a ton. I mean, there's still a Big Ten East championship that is on the line. There's still a chance to go to the Big Ten title game, and there is still a chance for them to squeak into the playoff picture because let's not forget. The other teams still have to play as well. I know Ohio State is uh, is 10th, but at the same time, we cannot forget that a lot can happen in these last two weeks, especially during championship weekend. Ohio State squeaks by Michigan, and then they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, and they could be right up there. I don't, I don't think that's totally out of the possibility of this season for sure because we have seen some crazy things already this season. I really don't think that they would be overlooked having being, what, 12-1 and one at that point, and then having beating a number four Michigan at home, and then beating uh, probably, they, they might be ranked by by the by the end of the season, Northwestern, but uh, beating Northwestern in that Big Ten championship game. So don't count Ohio State out of the playoff picture yet, because it's just, it's definitely possible. You got a lot of big games left for those teams that are ahead of Ohio State, 
And, you know, don't get me wrong, a lot has to happen, but at the same time, crazier things have happened, right, in recent history. And another thing for Iowa State is they are trying to really save their season. I know that is tough to fathom at the fact that they are 10-1 and right now, 10-1, and and their only loss was at Purdue. It was a rather embarrassing loss. They are actually in that game, though, folks, up until the fourth quarter when Purdue just decided to pour it on, and that really exposed a lot of the defensive problems that Ohio State has been facing really all season. But because of the level of competition that they were playing early on, they they really didn't get exposed until that Purdue game. But if you look even before that Purdue game, they did not look well against Minnesota. That was a win, thirty to fourteen at home again against Minnesota. They had to face Purdue, or pardon me, they had to face Nebraska right after that loss of Purdue. They did have a bye week, but they get Nebraska at home. They squeak by them by five points. Then they travel to MSU. And in my opinion, they kind of dominated MSU. The MVP of that game was obviously the punter. And then they go to Maryland, and they should have lost last weekend, folks. I don't care what anyone says. Maryland had that game won. I like the call of going for two. Like I mentioned, if the quarterback just would have hit his guy, we would be singing a different tune this week, and we would be already in the Big Ten Championship. But that is beside the point because we want to win this game. Because let me go into what is at stake for the Wolverines. I don't think it is any big secret. If you are a Michigan fan, even if you are a college football fan, you know what is at stake this weekend for Michigan. One, a berth in his first Big Ten championship game. Two, a chance to improve their resume for the playoffs. Three, a win against Ohio State, Harbaugh's first win against Ohio State. You know, that would just cap off a great season. In my mind, I don't really think it's a huge you know, just a just a terrible, terrible letdown. If we do lose to Ohio State again, I'm not going to be happy. I'm very excited about this game. I do think we come out with the victory, but at the same time, if we do lose this game, you know, it's still a very solid season. You know, it was very impressive, you know, racking off 10 straight wins and, you know, we'd still theoretically go to the Rose Bowl if we did lose to Ohio State, but let's not talk about that. Let's, let's keep going here. Like I said, a mention of not saving Harbaugh's job at Michigan. Obviously, after this, the season he's been having ever since that Notre Dame game when people were talking about Harbaugh maybe being on the hot seat, that was ludicrous. I stated it in the podcast right after that game, not a chance. And I stated that because if you look at Harbaugh's record against Ohio State, yeah, not good, 0-3, right? Really only one of those games he was out of, though, that first year when Ezekiel Elliott basically ran all over us. And the last two seasons, who can forget, you know, I brought it up all season long, that that fourth down, that that yard, that mark of the ball for Ohio State there that kind of lost us the game. Don't get me wrong, we shouldn't have put ourselves in that position, but we won in every statistic of that game except for the score, which is obviously the most important, right, folks? But you travel back to last year. And we were without a quarterback. We, you know, all season long, it was just dismal from the quarterback position. It was just, we were still in that game. Again, we led in a lot of offensive and defensive statistics. Again, just lost the main one. And that was the score. That was at home. This year it is at the toilet bowl. So I know that place will be rocking. But at the same time, what does Michigan have to play for? Well, a whole heck of a lot, right? The respect of getting this rivalry back on track and as I mentioned earlier this year, this rivalry has seen its fair share of, you know, dominance from from both sides. Don't forget from 1985 to, well, basically it was 2000, Ohio State only won three of those games. There was a tie in there in 92, but Ohio State only won three of those games. So Michigan from 85 to 2000 kind of dominated the series. And if you want to go back even before that from 83, Ohio State's only won, what, four of those games. So 
this has happened before, folks, where it's been a sheer you know thread of dominance or a streak of dominance by one side or the other. But if you look at a lot of these games, what I like to see is how close many of them have been. There's only been a few since 2000, you know, since basically Ohio State started this dominant run that have really, you know, really felt out of hand. Obviously, Harbaugh's first year with Ezekiel Elliott, that was uh, that one. Yeah, that one was rough, 42 to 13. I don't think anyone argues with that one. That one felt pretty rough. But I mean, you look at the year before that, 42 to 28, we were right in that game. The year before that was when we tried to go for two. We lost 42 to 41. Year before that, 26 21. Year before that, Michigan actually pulled it out in 2011, 40 to 34. Year before that was kind of a uh, beat down by Ohio State, 37 to 7. But there hasn't been a lot of games to where, you know, we really felt out of it. I know it might have gotten out of hand maybe in the end of the game or, you know, closer to the end of the fourth quarter and stuff like that. But at the same time, just really haven't felt the the dominance the last couple of years that, that maybe we've felt, you know, earlier in the 2000s from Ohio State. So that is really at stake here as well is the shifting of the rivalry in terms of, you know, to Michigan's favor. The last two years, I really think we've personally, I think we've outplayed Ohio State, but just haven't came out the right side of the scoreboard. Right. So those are the three things that I think Michigan's really got on the table for this weekend. And they're all big ones. Right. And I would love to see Michigan go to the first Big Ten championship game win that game, and you are setting yourself up very, very well to get into this playoffs. I don't think Georgia jumps us, even if they beat Alabama, or even if uh, even if Alabama, you know, we, we can still toss out Alabama. I'm sure most of you guys heard my rant last week about the SEC and why the media, sports media world is all over the SEC and why they get so much credit. Did you see some of the games last weekend? I know I mentioned it. I alluded to it last week on the show, but, or pardon me, two weeks ago since last week we had some problems, but Two weeks ago, I alluded to it on the show. Did you see some of those games the SEC guys were playing? I mean, Alabama was actually tied with the Citadel. Don't forget this, guys. The best team ever, supposedly, was tied with the Citadel at halftime at home. Let's not forget that. Of course, they turned on the afterburners a little bit and rolled as the best team of all time undoubtedly should, right? But there's no reason that if Alabama loses to Georgia, that Alabama should not be bumped out of that top four. People always say, you can't leave out Alabama. Explain to me why. You have to give me the reasons why. Tell me who they've played. Tell me who they beat this year. And why have they gotten so much recognition because of it? They have not played the type of schedule that I think most people think that they played just because they haven't really looked at the stats. I gave you the stats a couple of weekends ago. Go listen to that show and you will see that, oh my goodness, maybe they maybe they haven't been that great. You know, they've only beat two ranked teams this year. Now, if they lose to Georgia, guess what? They're two and one against ranked teams. And I don't even think Texas A&M is ranked anymore. So that to me is rather frustrating. And there's a lot of analysts out there now that are starting to see that. I, I really believe that. I've listened to a couple at least that have stated if Alabama loses and Michigan wins out, Alabama will be left out. They will be number five. Georgia gets in, Clemson and Notre Dame, obviously, and then Michigan gets in. So all Michigan has to do, continue to win out, and it all starts this weekend, right? There's no bigger game than the current game, right? So that is Ohio State, and boy, is it going to be a big one. Let's get into the head-to-head matchup of exactly what we're talking about here. Again, the game is this Saturday, noon on Fox. I'm assuming a lot of people will be watching at the at the bars, their local watering hole on this Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of people heading home to see their families and stuff like that, travel safe, and cheer on that maize and blue. But let's get into some of the head-to-head matchups. Michigan is favored by four, as I mentioned earlier. This game is at Ohio State at the Toilet Bowl. And overall team stats, OSU's offense is, you know, without a doubt, the best in the conference, uh, simply be just on their stats. 
They have been exposed a little bit as well. But Haskins is, without a doubt, a great quarterback, a very athletic quarterback. He's setting all sorts of records over there at Ohio State. So when you compare the points per game, Ohio State at 41.6, Michigan at 36.6, so not a huge difference right there. Points allowed per game, now this is where we get a little a little dominant here, is 13.5 for Michigan and 24.6 for Ohio State. So we kind of, we definitely have the edge by almost almost double on the Buckeyes in that statistic. Total yards per game, they do hold the edge on this one, 541 to 429. So, not again, our offense has not had to score a lot of points. We haven't really been in a lot of hurry-up opportunities and stuff like that to where we've had to put up big numbers on the offensive side of the ball, and that is attributed to our defense, of course. So yards passing, Haskins, of course, been dominating all year, 359 per game, 210 for Michigan. We do hold the edge in rushing, 219, and that is um, mainly in respect to Karan Higdon, who's just having himself a heck of a year. Glad to see it as well. We'll get into Higdon's comments here in a little bit after we go over the overall stats here. Ohio State, 182 yards. So again, that's 182 for Ohio State, 219 for Michigan for yards rushing per game. Yards allowed, again, this is where we hold the we hold the edge on both statistics of pass yards allowed, 123 to 237 for Ohio State. Ohio State allowed 237 pass yards a game. That's a big number, folks. Rush yards allowed, again, we dominate this statistic as well, 111 for Michigan, 161 per game for Ohio State. That's a pretty big number as well in terms of Ohio State. Let's not forget, people, this is Ohio State. This was supposed to be a playoff national championship contending team until they went and had that blunder at Purdue. So it's really weird to hear people think that you know Ohio State's just totally out of it. This was supposed to be one of the best teams in the country. They were supposed to compete with Alabama at the end of the year, not Michigan, not Notre Dame, not Clemson. It was supposed to be Ohio State and Alabama. So let's not forget this, guys. I really want to make that clear because you know a lot of Ohio State fans have already thrown in the tile, and I hate that. As you know, that was one of my rival annoyances a couple weeks ago, and it's always been my rival annoyance when it comes to Michigan State fans. But Ohio State fans thrown in the towel early, and then if Ohio State happens to win, guess who's right there rubbing it in our faces, right? So when you look at the overall stats, not not a lot of not a lot of differentials right there. We do hold the edge uh, pretty strongly in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Offense, they do hold uh, they do hold the edge a little bit more than us, but at the same time, we have a great defense. They have a very good offense. Our offense, I feel, is much much better than their defense, though, and that I think is going to be the major factor in the game. That could be the M factor is the fact that our offense is solid. Our offense does not lose us the games. They get us the yards. They get us the points that we need, and they keep the defense off the field. That's another thing that people that that's not even a stat. I'd love to see the time of possession ratio between Michigan and Ohio State because Ohio State likes to score very quick. Michigan does those patented 11 to 15 play drives that chew up about six to seven minutes. And that gives that is huge for your defense. That gives the defense time to rest, time to recuperate, time to regroup. And I think that has been a big thing all year for this Michigan Wolverine team and the defense. And that is props to their offense, their scheme, and obviously Shea Patterson, Karan Higdon, that offensive line, and those receivers catching the ball, you know, they've all contributed to this this very solid, I'm gonna say solid. I'm not gonna say great offense. They could be. We don't know because we haven't had to unleash them yet, but a very, very solid offense for the Michigan Wolverines this year. And don't give the ball up. That is huge. That's gonna be huge this weekend. I can see Ohio State maybe two turnovers, and I see Michigan zero turnovers. I think Shea Patterson takes care of the ball, only four INTs on the year. Haskins has only seven. But he has not played a defense like Michigan yet, so I'm very, very excited about that. Now, from the prediction standpoint, 
I, I'm going with the Wolverines all the way. I think Michigan wins by, um, I'm going to go by 17. I think maybe a 35-18 victory or something like that, somewhere close to that. I think the Ohio State defense is absolute garbage, and I'm not the only one. I mentioned Karan Higdon earlier this week, and it's really been blown out of proportion. I'm really kind of disgusted by it because this is just the media trying to hype something up. Rightfully so. That's their that's their job, right? To get these headlines and stuff like that. But in the press conference earlier this week, a, a reporter, if you didn't hear it, a reporter basically just leading Karan Higdon to just say, yes, I guarantee a victory. I guarantee a victory. And that's really not what happened. That's maybe what, you know, if you read it in text or something like that, maybe that's what it was portrayed as. But really what happened was the reporter kept asking him, so do you guarantee victory this weekend? And Karan kind of danced around it. And then again, so so would you say you guarantee victory this weekend? And of course, Karan Higgins says, yeah, I'll guarantee it. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? No, I think we're actually probably going to lose this one. I think it was a great response. I think actually Karan did a very good job. And honestly, if you need something like that as an Ohio State player or coach to get your team ready to rock, that is not good. That is that is a Michigan State gimmick. That is posting something on the wall and saying, oh, this is fuel for our fire, right? That is a Spartan gimmick. That is not, Ohio State doesn't need any fuel for their fire. They don't need any reason to get up for this game. This is very important for Ohio State. This is very important for Urban Meyer. As many of you noticed, uh, Urban Meyer did not look healthy this last weekend on the sideline. Hope he's all right. You know, regardless of not caring much for Urban Meyer as a coach, uh, you still don't like to see that from from a human being. And hopefully this is not another gimmick. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know his medical records. And I really hope this isn't a gimmick like it kind of seemed to be when he was at Florida. You know, he took a couple years off and then, oh, there he is right at Ohio State again. What happened to his health problems? Well, we never know. Now they seem to be back when he's kind of on the hot seat again. And I really think that a lot of this could be stemming from that Zach Smith incident, and it just doesn't seem to be going away. That's the problem, I think. And now after that loss to Purdue, they really have just been just not there. They just haven't been the powerhouse that everyone thought they were going to be at the start of the season. And to be honest with you, they were. for the It was against lesser teams by far, but at the same time, they were dominating these games without Urban Meyer. Remember, he had to sit out three, or pardon me, he had to, uh, he couldn't coach. He was suspended for three games to start the season, and they just continued to roll. And then I don't know what happened to that Purdue game, and all of a sudden, you got Ohio State fans wanting Urban Meyer's head. And there's 10-1, and one, folks. This is what I don't understand is they're still 10-1. and one. It's incredible. I can't believe it. 10 and 1 and they won his head. And this kind of leads right into my rival annoyance. So let's let's do that right now. This week's rival annoyance. So this week's rival annoyance is courtesy of the Ohio State Buckeyes, simply because that is the game this week, right? It is the big one. And it is with Urban Meyer. And the reason I'm annoyed with this whole story is because this is taking away from the game. This is the biggest rivalry in sports. I don't care what anyone says because, like I mentioned earlier, we have seen dominance from both sides throughout history of this game. So I don't like people saying, well, it's not a rivalry anymore because Ohio State always wins. Well, that's not the case because this is a rivalry. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of these games have been close. A lot of these games have been statistically dominated by Michigan, but just coming out on the wrong end and vice versa too. Ohio State has statistically dominated some of these games and you know came out on the wrong end of the score not many obviously but at the same time they are turning this urban meyer fiasco and whether or not he is going to come back next year that's all they seem to be talking about is this it for urban meyer if he loses this game does he get fired does he leave does he step down does he retire from football and stuff like that and i would prefer 
They leave that until after the game. I can't stand listening to Urban. I don't want to talk about Urban Meyer because he's done this before. This is a carbon copy of exactly what he did down at Florida. And he had a great team down at Florida as well. And then he decided to just hang it up out of nowhere because of health problems. Now, like I mentioned, heaven forbid he does have some some very serious health problems. It appears that he does if you saw him in that Maryland game on the sideline and stuff like that. But the media covering this over the game, I mean, this is a playoff-style game, guys. This is the game. This is the rivalry game, the biggest rivalry, like I mentioned. You got 10-1 and Michigan Wolverine against 10-1 and Ohio State Buckeyes for the Big Ten East, probably for the Big Ten Conference because I feel whichever team wins goes to Indianapolis and just absolutely destroys Northwestern especially if it's Michigan, because they are going to want some revenge on how people are stating that Northwestern is very, very, you know, if equal to Michigan uh, based on how they played down in Evans or based on how they played over in Evansville earlier this year and props to Northwestern. They did play a great game, Michigan. That gave Michigan a lot of character, though, I feel. That was a great game for Michigan to play, pull out ahead and win that game. But to think that this game is all about Urban Meyer and, you know, I just I just don't want to see the fans down there at Ohio State just cheering on, oh, we'll miss you, Urban, and, and this is for Urban Meyers. And if he does lose the game, of course, it's all because Urban Meyer didn't want to coach there anymore right has nothing to do with the score has nothing to do with the athletes has nothing to do with the teams it'll be all about urban meyer and whether he'll be on the hot seat not about how michigan if they win goes on to the big 10 championship and then you know has to keep fighting for that playoff berth i do not think that is right and it's very frustrating for me to turn on the news you know watch any sports uh, any sports media and really they they continue to talk about the future of urban meyer and when they should be talking about this this huge, huge game that's about to occur this weekend. So that is this week's rival annoyance. And it's not a huge, it wasn't a huge one, but at the same time, something that really gets under my skin when, you know, I want to hear about the game. That's why I want to talk to you guys about the game. You know, that's why I gave you guys the statistics earlier on. That's why I want to analyze exactly what I think has been working for Michigan all year long. That's why I don't want to talk about Urban Meyer. So that's why I'm going to cut it right now. Urban Meyer, I think it's fine. In terms of his job, if he does have some health problems, he probably will leave at the end of the season, which is a bummer because I would like to see the turning of the tide right here. I would love to see Harbaugh kind of trying to get up over that hump, and now it's Michigan's turn to dominate for an era or so. That's really what I think I would like to, one other major point that I would like to talk about on this week's show is the turning of the tide. So as I mentioned in the rival annoyance, I want to hear about the game. I want to hear about this great rivalry throughout history, well before I was on this earth, well before my parents, my grandparents were on this earth of the game. And I'll tell you what, Fox has been hyping it up really well. I don't know if you guys have been watching the trailers and stuff for this game, but it's been fantastic. It's been getting me hyped ever since Sunday when I saw the first one. It's been fantastic. So if you get a chance, get out there and YouTube some of the Fox trailers and stuff like that for this game. They've been doing a great job. They've been doing a great job all year for promoting the Big Ten. I'm really glad that Fox had kind of picked them up with the Big Ten Network and stuff like that because it's been it's been great all season long when they're on Fox or the Big Ten Network. So kudos to those two networks for basically pairing up and uh, getting a lot of Big Ten football out there because I think the country really enjoys watching it and stuff like that. But nonetheless, some of my favorite memories were against Ohio State. And let's face it, folks, for two-thirds of my life, Ohio State has dominated this game. For some of the younger listeners, you know, some of my 20, 21, 22-year-old buddies, they've only beat Ohio State, what, twice in their life? two times in their lifetime. They have no idea what it was like uh, before, you know, like I mentioned in 85 to 2000 when we were just dominating, when Michigan would come out on top, you know, uh, all but three times in that era. And it's it's very mind-boggling. And I know some of the older listeners remember, obviously, before Bo Schembechler and stuff like that. So that must have been very, very exciting. 
And it kind of leads me into the question of the week. I kind of did something similar like that with Michigan State, but I would love to hear your favorite memory of Michigan versus Ohio State. I'm going to get into mine here right off the bat because I'm pretty sure most of you can guess it, but I'll, g- I'll give you one that uh, not a lot of people remember because it wasn't uh, it wasn't a Michigan victory, but it was still just a, just a great game. My first one, obviously, 97, Charles Woodson taking it to the house, taking it to the house. I was 13, 14 years old. And I remember I did not go to our usual spot, our usual family spot, which is the Sanford Lake Bar and Grill. Head on down there this this Saturday, folks. The the, the whole clan, the family will be there and stuff like that. It's a good time. Boy, I've been doing it since the early 90s. I know that, uh, getting that front table and stuff like that. It's always a good time for the Michigan-Ohio State game down there. But I did not go this time. I actually stayed back at home. And, boy, I remember sitting right on the couch and watching that that whole game, that whole season. I, I didn't miss a game that season. There was only one game I didn't actually watch on TV, and that was against Iowa. But my dad and I actually listened to that on the radio while we were outside painting the house, actually. It actually, it was our toughest game of the season that year. Uh, we only pulled that one out, what, 24 to 28. But that Michigan-Ohio State game, of course, Charles Woodson taking it to the house. I don't think anyone can argue with me on that one. That'll probably be the majority of people my age, if not, you know, plus or minus 15 years around me, uh, their favorite memory of that game because obviously that propelled us into the Rose Bowl and a co-national championship with the dreaded Scott Frost and Nebraska Cornhuskers. Ugh, uh, we got the best of them this year, so that's great. But my second favorite memory was the actually the 2006 Michigan Ohio State game. This was the dreaded number one versus number two game. We came out behind on that one, 42 to 39. I know a lot of you guys are thinking, well, how can that be one of your favorite memories when we actually lost the game? Well, it was kind of the experience. We had a huge, huge bash up there at Ferris State. You know, a lot of my friends were up there, and it was it was basically it was my senior year, and it was one versus two. Don't forget, this was the dreaded week that Bo ended up passing away. So, uh, R.I.P. Bo. But this was just a great game, exciting game. And as a college football fan, you really had to appreciate this game. You know, this is back with Chad Henney, Mike Hart, and Ohio State, and had what Troy Smith and those guys. And it was just a very, very exciting game. So that's why it was, and, and it was the atmosphere around me. So that's why it was very, very, you know, that's why I hold that one kind of close to my heart, even though we didn't end up on the right side of the score. But I just remember watching it all with my, you know, my good college buddies and, and just a huge party and everyone going nuts every time Michigan would score and just the emotion in that game. That is why it is one of my all-time favorites as well. Probably number two. In terms of the game itself, of course, he had the big one with Bianca Batuka. I do remember that one, actually. Uh, I, was, I was pretty young at the time, but just ruining uh, Cooper's, basically ruined John Cooper's career throughout the 90s. That was also a very fun time. You can kind of bunch that all together, right? Uh, yeah, basically, Cooper would come in, what? Cooper would always come in with, what, one loss, one, two losses, sometimes undefeated, possibility of a national championship, Big Ten title. And Michigan, n- not necessarily having a great team any of those years, besides 97, really, would just just absolutely destroy Ohio State and any hopes and dreams that they had of, of playing for a national championship or something like that. And it was great. It actually cost Coop his job, uh, many of us feel. I, I feel it definitely because he had great seasons and would lose to Michigan, and they basically got rid of him. So they had to go uh, from Coop to Trestle there, and Trestle kind of turned it around, sadly. But that that's, his, uh, that's, that's some good memories as well. Biakabatuka's huge game. 
So if there's some other ones, I'm sure, like I said, a lot of you older, more mature listeners and fans might remember some more solid ones. Really like to hear them. We'll go over them next week, hopefully celebrating a victory and a berth in the Big Ten Championship game, as well as keeping our playoff hopes alive. So let's roll into that playoff picture as of right now. There was not a lot of shifting, not a lot of upsets, not a lot, actually no upsets really. So the playoff picture pretty much remains the same. Georgia still right on our heels. We did, you know, we kind of, in terms of the AP and the coaches poll, we did gain some points on them. So you can definitely see the, you know, not that it matters for the playoff picture, but you do see kind of the coaches poll, the AP poll kind of did put Michigan a little more ahead of Georgia. I think we were like in the AP poll a couple of weeks ago, we were only like four or five points ahead of Georgia. Now it's 1327 to 1288. And, you know, in the AP poll or, Pardon me, in the coaches poll, much the same. It's 1387 to 1347. So, you know, 40 point advantage right there. Not huge, but it did kind of grow a little bit, which you like to see kind of Michigan getting a little more respect and Georgia maybe just hovering in there because who knows, maybe they listened to my podcast a couple of weeks ago and decided, you know what, maybe the SEC isn't as good as everyone thinks it is, or we've thought it's been for the last two decades. I highly doubt that happened, but you never know. So Alabama rolled over the Citadel, Clemson with an easy win over Duke. They ended up winning 35 to six. And it was Notre Dame. This was actually surprising. This was great job by Notre Dame. I'll tell you what, I was very, very impressed. This pretty much solidified them. There's no one jumping Notre Dame if they if they win at USC this coming weekend, which I think they will, basically, how they played against Syracuse. Syracuse came in ranked number 12. It was at Yankee Stadium, which was kind of weird. But they just rolled 36-3 to over Syracuse. Michigan, of course, had the very tough game against Indiana this last weekend. Georgia absolutely destroyed UMass, but again, I mean, UMass, UMass, they they beat UMass 66 to 27. Like I said, Alabama played the Citadel. Come on, this is just ridiculous. I'll, I'll tell you what. So yeah, Georgia, Georgia ended up rolling over the dreaded UMass Minutemen, and they got Georgia Tech this coming weekend, and then the, the big one, of course, will be the SEC Championship against Alabama on the 1st of December. Well, I mean, just UMass, there's there's no wonder that they're not getting, that Michigan kind of kind of separated a little bit from Georgia the past couple weeks. So playoff picture right now, not a lot's changed. Like I said, Michigan did, you know, gain or, you know, kind of did separate themselves away from Georgia in terms of AP and coaches poll points. Again, not a lot of emphasis on that for the playoff rankings, but nonetheless, it just does kind of show a little bit of the respect on what people are kind of, you know, kind of looking that way or what people's opinions are of Michigan. It could be in terms of that schedule because Michigan, based on how Notre Dame looked this last weekend, Notre Dame looked just phenomenal. I mean, don't forget Syracuse took Clemson down to the wire and Notre Dame just absolutely embarrassed Syracuse this weekend. So Notre Dame playing very good football again. I still think we beat them if we play them this weekend. You know what I mean? I still think we beat Notre Dame at home on a neutral site. We might even beat beat them at Notre Dame. I think we are playing that well. Despite barely eking by Indiana, that's a typical Indiana game, right? So Michigan just has to keep winning the games, right? Win, beat Ohio State, beat Northwestern. That's all you can do. Now, it would be nice to beat them handily, kind of blow them out, right, and just leave no doubt. But at the same time, I I do think Alabama, you know, this could all be for nothing because I do think Alabama just destroys Georgia, and then we don't have to worry about a thing, right? There's no way a one-loss Oklahoma team jumps over a one-loss Michigan team. The Big 12 is garbage. It has been for a long time. They play zero defense there. And while some other news, actually, Les Miles actually accepted the 
head coaching job over there at Kansas. Maybe he can bring some defense into the Big 12. That would be something. But uh, until then, you have to be in a very, very elite team in order to make this playoff if you are in the Big 12, sadly, just like Oklahoma was last year because they actually had a decent defense. This year, not so much. The Big 12 is just absolute garbage when it comes to defense. So I don't see that happening. Michigan, win out. That's all you got to do. And then I do think Alabama just destroys Georgia. Now, if they do not, if Alabama ends up losing that game, you have to kick Alabama out. I don't care what people say that Alabama is, this is one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Again, you have to tell me why. You have to give me good reasons. You have to give me some stats. You can't just feel it in your gut. You can't just listen to the analysts stating that because they are so pro-SEC and so pro-Alabama that they will, I mean, I think they've embedded it into their brains that Alabama is that good. But if you look back at the stats, yes, they have been beating teams by a lot. But which teams have they been beating by so much? And their schedule is just garbage because everyone thinks that they play in this tough SEC conference. I mean, look at the East in the SEC. The East Georgia had the SEC championship game wrapped up, what, a couple weeks ago. Kentucky's 8-3 and now. As I mentioned, they're going to go, they're going to finish this season unranked. I, I did call that, did I not, folks? Kentucky, South Carolina, all these people will not be ranked. In the West, you'll have Alabama, LSU. Third place team in the West is Texas A&M at seven and four. So in my opinion, you will have three ranked teams from the SEC. Why do they get so much credit? You got to tell me, why do they get so much credit? It's it's very, very funny. I mean, you could you could say Florida would might be ranked, so you might have four in there. You might have four because Florida is eight and three. So if Alabama does lose to Georgia, I still think you got to kick them out. I know it, it may sound crazy to a lot of people, but you got to kick Alabama out if they lose to Georgia and everyone else continues to win. So that is my take on the current playoff situation we have going on. Again, a lot can happen in two weeks, right, guys? A lot can happen in these final regular season games and the conference championship games. We'll have to see. This could all be for nothing. Michigan loses on Saturday. They don't go to the Big Ten Championship. We don't have anything to worry about because we're probably going to the Rose Bowl regardless. Unless, of course, Ohio State beats Michigan, goes to the Big Ten Championship game, and somehow gets snubbed out of the playoff picture, which they very well could. They're going to have to be convincing wins, don't get me wrong, because I, I just don't think they've been playing that good of football. I mean, they, they should have lost to Maryland. That's no doubt about it. But nonetheless, Michigan, win, do your job, and you're good to go. I don't think anyone can leapfrog them. I don't think, I think if a team loses ahead of them, even if it's Alabama, they deserve to be in that top four because of how they're playing right now. And because that loss came at the first loss of the season, to a team that is playing as well as anyone else in the country right now to that Notre Dame Fighting Irish squad. And really, we just lost that first quarter, right? Which was very important. I can't preach that enough. I bring that up a lot, but they really only lost that first quarter. But nonetheless, it all starts this weekend. The big one, folks. Fox, noon. If you're traveling down to Columbus, drive safe. Traveling home to see your families, drive safe as well. Be responsible. Have a great, great Thanksgiving, everyone. I think it's Michigan by 17. I think, like I mentioned, Michigan, maybe 35 to 18. Hope I'm right. We really want this one. I think the guys are hungry. The revenge tour continues. Hopefully, Winovich is back there on the field. There's still no update on his injury, but I can see he's the type of guy that would keep it quiet because normally he's quite chatty on Twitter. I haven't seen anything from him the last couple of days, so I can see him kind of keeping it quiet. Harbaugh always keeps it quiet, so he can't really judge anything on that, but I can see him keeping it kind of quiet and then rolling out of that tunnel and starting that game and having a dominating game and just being just fine. And that's it. That would be just amazing. So good luck to the boys in blue travel safe down there to Columbus for everyone else. Like I mentioned, have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M factor.